0: Welcome to this month's Well-Read Teaching video. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify or Apple, we are so excited that you're here with us and we believe that God wants to teach you something today. I wanna start today's teaching with the question. Do any of you out there really invest in what your Instagram feeds look like? You know, you have a theme, whatever. Well, I know that for our Well-Read Instagram, it's at well K. if you're not following us yet, by the way. But for our well-read Instagram, I put in a lot of time and effort to make sure that our feed, you know, matches and looks aesthetically pleasing because I want you guys as our audience to have a good experience when you're on our Instagram page. But, if I'm being honest, I haven't always put that same effort into my personal account. See, I didn't even realize that people did this, you know, had themes or whatever with their Instagrams until my freshman year of college. My friend, Kirthana, she taught me all about having a theme for your feed and using the same filter. And she taught me about Visco and all the things. And because that she educated me on all the Instagram etiquette, I started to have a feed that matched. Because I used the same filter on every picture that I posted. It was C1 on Visco, by the way, if you're wondering. So, I can't say that I, you know, still do this as much now for my account, but It was something I did for a long time in college, and because that I did it, you know, when I look back at these pictures from college, they all look the same. No matter where I was or what I was doing, they all had this similar look because they all had the same filter. And, you know, even memories that, like, me at a concert with my friends versus me at a, you know, UT football game, The lighting was different, the aesthetic was different, but the pictures still looked pretty similar because of the filter. But what we can see from this silly example is that things aren't always as they appear. Our lives can be like this too. Maybe, you know, you say that you're a Christian and you go to church and you claim the title of a follower of Jesus, but your life doesn't really reflect him. Maybe you say you love Jesus with your words, but not so much with your actions. Your life is filtered, if you will. On top of all this, you know, a filtered life, it doesn't actually bring change into the world. It, it doesn't lead people to Jesus because people can see through filters. You know, I'm sure that when people looked at my feed back then, they knew that my life didn't really look like the C1 filter. I just made it appear that way because I wanted my Instagram feed to look a certain way. People could see through it. They knew it was just a filter. It was just that. But when our spiritual lives look like this, when we have a filtered spiritual life, what is the solution? The good news is that Jesus has a solution for us. If you watched our last teaching video, we started a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and our last video was on the Beatitudes. So this is our second video in this series. If you missed the first one, I definitely recommend you go back and listen to it. We learned a lot about the Beatitudes together. But... In this week's video, we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, 13 through 20. We're going to talk about being salt and light as believers and what that means, the law and righteousness. And now these might sound like some really heavy and deep topics and and they can be, but I believe that if we want to see like true transformation in our walks with God, we have to go deeper in the word, we have to go deeper in the Bible. Even when the topics seem hard, I would say Especially when the topics seem hard. So, with that being said, let's dive right into the Word and see what God has for us. And if you've been around well-read long enough, then you know that we're going to start with the context. So, as we covered in the last video, the Sermon on the Mount is found in the Gospel of Matthew. So, let's quickly look through some of the questions that you would ask if you're looking for the context of a passage. So, what is the Gospel of Matthew? Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew is one of the four gospel accounts about Jesus's life in ministry. Who wrote it? Well, the Gospel of Matthew was written by a man named Matthew. He was one of Jesus's 12 disciples. He was Jewish, and before he started following Jesus, he was a tax collector. What was the purpose of this book? Well, Matthew's Gospel emphasizes that Jesus is the Messiah and that he fulfills the Old Testament. Matthew wanted the Jewish people to see that Jesus was who they had been waiting for. When was it written? Well, it was written around 55 to 65 AD. And where did it take place? Well, the events in the, bi- in the book take place all over Israel. But the Sermon on the Mount most likely happened on what is called the Mount of Beatitudes and it is a hill that looks overlooks the Sea of Galilee. We're gonna pick up, like I said, in Matthew 5, 13 through 20, right after the Beatitudes. And if you don't know what the Beatitudes are, again, go check out our last teaching video. It's also really important when looking at the context of a passage, especially if you're starting in the middle of a chapter like we're doing right now, is to see what exactly is happening around the text. With that being said, you know, if you weren't here for our last video, or if you aren't familiar with the Beatitudes, um, leading up to this point, when Jesus had given the Beatitudes, you know, they kind of give this picture of the kingdom. So the theme of being a kingdom citizen had already been introduced. So Jesus continues with this theme in these verses we're gonna look at today. So let's just go ahead and turn to Matthew 5. If you have your Bible and want to turn with me, that's great. If you don't, all right, so Matthew 5, we're going to pick up in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So it might seem weird. For us as Christians to be described as salt, but let me give you some historical context. So during this time, if you didn't know, they didn't have refrigerators, they didn't have freezers, who would have thought. So they actually use salt as a way to keep food from spoiling and decaying and that type of thing. So as followers of Jesus, you know, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is decaying, that you know, death, death is in our world. But we know the one who's defeated death, Jesus, who died and resurrected, defeating death. And it is our job to tell this world that we live in that is dying, that is decaying, about the life that is only found in Jesus. What else do we know about salt? We know that it adds flavor to our food. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I love plenty of salt on my baked potato. Along with lots of butter and pepper, but right now we're talking about salt. Salt makes things taste better. And as Christians, we should be making our world better by serving others, being generous, sharing the gospel, and more. Essentially, as followers of Jesus, we should be improving the state of our world by living like Jesus, just like salt improves the taste of our food. So let's continue in the scripture in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As Christians, we should be light of the world. I think we can all agree that the world we live in is pretty dark. There's darkness seemingly everywhere that we turn, but we get to be the light because of Jesus. People should see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control in our lives and know that there is something different about us, that light. The way that you as a Christian speak to people should be different. It should be filled with love and encouragement. The way you respond to difficulty in your life should be different. It should be with faith and peace and honesty. The way you stand for truth and holiness should be clear. This may seem impossible on your own, because it is. But the great news is that you can be the light of the world when you walk with the capital L light of the world. John 8, 12 says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And when we are in relationship with him and walking in step with his spirit, we can be that light to the world too. Why is it important that we let the world around us see the light in us? Well, let's look back at the scripture. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When we shine our light and share the love of Christ, the light of Christ, people take notice and it leads other people to Jesus. And nothing could be more important than whether people know him or not. Let's continue in scripture in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So the law here refers to the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. And then the prophets refers to the rest of the Old Testament. So Jesus right now is talking about essentially the entirety of the Old Testament. And He says that he didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. He came to fulfill it. He fulfilled messianic prophecies and he lived a perfect life. He never broke the law. He never sinned. He never broke a single law. He kept the Mosaic law perfectly and he's the only one who could. We'll continue in the scripture. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So Jesus makes it clear here that the law, the Old Testament, is still the word of God. Then he continues, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus, again, he makes it clear that the law and the Old Testament are scripture. They're the word of God. And Jesus holds scripture in the highest authority. As believers, I think sometimes we can get in this mindset and I'm the same way, of not reading the Old Testament because sometimes it's longer or it's harder to read or whatever, but Jesus makes it clear here that the Old Testament is the Word of God. God still speaks through the Old Testament and it helps us to know Jesus better. We get to read Messianic prophecies, learn more about what he came to do. So it's critical that we still read the Old Testament. It's still the Word of God. Then Jesus continues, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So I gotta be honest and say that for a while, this verse really confused me. Anytime I read it, anytime I heard it, it just confused me. And I probably should have you know, looked into it and researched you know, back then when it confused me, but I would always be like, well, I don't know what that means and continue on. But as I was studying for this video, obviously like I needed to understand it to be able to teach it to you. So I did a lot more studying and research on what it means and I'm so grateful to the Lord to be able to say that I have much more of a grasp on it now. It makes a lot more sense to me. And I'm really excited to share my new knowledge with you. So hopefully someday when you're reading the Sermon on the Mount and you come across it, you know, you don't get as confused as I did all these years. So we need to know some background on the Pharisees. So Jesus mentions the Pharisees in this verse. So we need to kind of know who they are. So they were experts on the Jewish law, essentially. They had entire books of the Old Testament memorized. Yes, entire books. And they also followed extra rules from oral tradition. So these rules were not found in the Bible, uh, but the Pharisees followed them anyway because they were essentially like, their purpose was to try to keep you from breaking the actual law that was in the Bible. It was like extra, like, barriers i guess to try to keep you from breaking the law these were not biblical again they were not in the bible these were just extra rules from oral tradition but the pharisees treated them as if they were you know the law even though they weren't so these guys were literally literally they're trying to follow all these rules and the people that Jesus is speaking to, because the Pharisees, you know, were these religious leaders and they knew so much scripture, they had books of the Bible memorized, and not only that, they followed these extra laws, or not laws, rules, they weren't the law. Like, the people would have seen them as being extremely righteous, extremely holy, but yet Jesus says that to enter the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness would have to surpass the Pharisees' righteousness. And I'm sure that the people that were hearing the Sermon on the Mount were like, but who could do that? But the thing is, no one could, no one except Jesus. Only Jesus could live a righteous, holy and perfect life. And what I realized, what confused me about this verse is that it always sounded to me that like the Pharisees were getting this credit for being these, you know, just upstanding righteous guys. But Jesus wasn't giving credit to the Pharisees for their upstanding character. He was actually saying that not even the Pharisees and all of their rule following were righteous enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, they were trying to you know, be good enough, do good works, you know, earn a spot in the kingdom. And Jesus was saying, no, as much as you're trying, it's not enough. Even all the rules you're following, it's not enough. So Jesus makes it clear here that none of us are going to get to heaven on our own righteousness because no matter how good we may appear like the Pharisees, we are still sinners and sin separates us from God. Even the Pharisees having these books of the Bible memorized, like in their minds, they knew the word of God, but they didn't actually know God himself. So you may be wondering, okay, well, if these guys had all these books of the Bible memorized and followed all these rules and tried so hard to you know, be good guys and they still weren't good enough to get into heaven, how do I get into heaven then? And the answer to that question is Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect and righteous life. And we, when we are covered by his righteousness, we get to go to heaven. Jesus, the son of God, put on human flesh, came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins and resurrected on the third day. He defeated death and he's still alive today. Scripture says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it also says that we are saved by grace through faith. So when you, if you place your faith in Jesus and receive him as your Lord and Savior, he will make you righteous. Remember, you can't earn righteousness, you can't become righteous on your own, but Jesus, he can make you righteous. When he saves you, you become righteous before God because Jesus's righteousness has been made yours. In Christ, you are the righteousness of God. So, as far as application goes, you may be wondering, you know, what are these few verses have to do with my life. And if you know Jesus, your step, if you actually know him and have a relationship with him, your step is to evaluate. You know, are you being salt and light? Or are you living that filtered life we talked about earlier? Is your life making a difference and a positive change in the world? Can the people around you see that you live from a place of love, of joy, of peace, of truth, of conviction? Does your life look different from the world? Or do you blend in with culture, maybe because you want people to like you or you just want to fit in with the people around you? In other words, are you living a filtered life? A life where you claim to follow Christ, but don't actually live a salt and light life that honors Him? If you are not currently living that salt and light life, I want to encourage you to repent and turn back to the Lord. Decide today that you will live a set apart life that honors the Lord. You will live a life that people around you look at you and say, wow, there's something different about them. They live a life that brings light to the darkness in this world. Now, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, your next step is to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Remember, none of us can be righteous on our own. We can do nothing, no amount of good works, nothing to save ourselves. The Pharisees made up rules to try to break the actual, to try to avoid breaking the actual law. And they still weren't righteous enough for the kingdom. They still had sin in their lives. They were still separated from God. We must be made righteous by God through what Jesus did for us on the cross. So I ask, do you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead? Do you wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life? If you don't know Jesus and you wanna make that decision to receive him today, I'm going to pray a prayer that you can pray with me. Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. I have broken your commandments and done wrong. Thank you for living the righteous life that I can never live. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. Please come into my life. Please save me. Please forgive me of my sin. I will live for you. Thank you for forgiving me and, give me eternal li- and giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just made the decision to follow Jesus, we are so excited for you and I wanna ask you to do one thing. Please contact us and let us know about your decision either by email, which, you could email us at contact at wellredlk.com. I'll say it again, contact at wellreadlk.com. Or you can DM us on Instagram at K. at K. We just want to celebrate what God's doing in your life, and we want to help you take your next step in your walk with Him. Jesus has told us how we as Christians are to live, and he has told us that righteousness is never found in ourselves. It's found in him and him alone. Let's be salt and light this week, wherever we go, and show the people what a life lived in relationship with Jesus really looks like. Let's not live a filtered life. Let's live real, genuine lives for Christ. Last, I just wanna say thank you for listening to this video, or watching the video, listening on Spotify, wherever. Um, our second teaching video in the Sermon on the Mount series. I hope it blessed you and that it helps you become more well read in the scriptures. That's what we're here to do, but I just want to ask that you would make sure to tune in to next month's teaching because we're going to continue in the Sermon on the Mount series, which I'm really excited about. And I have one last thing, a really exciting thing. So this month, Isaac and I launched a Kickstarter campaign to hopefully fund a biblical short film called Many Are Called. Now, if you've heard about it at this point, you're going to hear about it again because we're just so excited and we can't stop talking about it. So to give you, if you haven't heard about it, to give you some context, Many Are Called, it's, like I said, it's a biblical short film. It's centered on, around a very, very famous Bible story, but we're not going to tell you what the story is. That's going to be part of the fun. You won't actually find out until the end of the film. So you'll get to kind of watch and see, do you know who it is? Can you guess? Do you know what it's about? Um, But the link to check out our kickstarter cuz by the way kickstarter it's crowdfunding so we are essentially asking you the public you know do you want to see this project get made and if so we are asking you know that you back the project financially or if you can't do that you know just to share the project save it whatever you can do but the link to check out our kickstarter and to see the teaser trailer, if your interest is peaked and you really want to you know, get more of an idea, you can see our teaser trailer on the Kickstarter. That link will be um, in the description below. It's in our bio on our well-read Instagram. So make sure to check that link out, You know, back the project if you can, share it, save it, whatever you can do to support us. We are just grateful for that. So thanks for watching today, guys. Thanks for your support with the Kickstarter. If you're someone who has backed it or shared it, we are so appreciative of that. And I hope that you guys continue to be well read in the scriptures.